0: What's up, Atlanta sports fans? I'm Graham Waldrop, and alongside me, as always, is Adam. The Falcons are still in the hunt, Kalal, and we are Atlanta Zone, two Atlanta natives, recapping the week that was in Atlanta professional sports, wackiest hijinks, and analysis presented by the Pigskin Podcast Network.
1: Woo! Adam, how's it going, sir? Graham, it's going just fantastic, man. So good to see your smiling face. Sitting across from Smiling me. Smiling so much it's right all, now. All, you know, we, we we had a week off. Um, it was a, a mental health week.
0: Mental health week. And we, all, we really connected with Calvin Ridley last week. Yes, we did.
1: <laughs> that one was for you, Calvin. And, uh, you know, almost got canceled as well because I believe our last episode, I falsely accused Chipper Jones of domestic violence. Right. Which was fake news. I categorically
0: denied that
1: I don't think I'd say categorically, I think that you were like skeptical of it and said,
0: Oh, I I didn't know that. No. You go back and listen to Tavis. i never heard anything about that.
1: Okay. If 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 you say so, Graham. Uh but yeah, it was you know, infidelity. Sure. But infidelity and domestic abuse are not the same thing. Big difference. So I apologize, Chipper. I'm sure he's very offended. <laughs> still
0: still a good man. He's uh, been waiting for 2 weeks for an apology from you.
1: Yeah, no, no, the 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 heat I delay low for a couple of weeks. Uh let the lawyers get involved. dadlaw.com, of course, is our law source. Right.
0: And uh, yeah, now every, everything's good now, so 50% 50% off your first consultation if you use the promo code. Promo code ATL's own at dadlaw.com. Yes, yes.
1: Yes. So that's our little new business we're getting up and running there. But great to be back podcasting with you, Graham. Yep. Uh, I understand that you went on a very special trip this it was past. Very weekend. special,
0: Adam <laughs> went to uh, went behind enemy lines, went to Bank of America Stadium to watch the NFL's best road team conquer the Panthers. Man, twenty nine to twenty one. I was, you know, I was watching
1: the Fox pregame show, and they were showing Charlotte, just a dynamite matchup between what, five and seven teams at the time, yeah. NFC South battle. I was like, man, it must just be electric there. Just, you know, energy pulsating through th- that Charlotte air. Was that the case, Graham?
0: I'll say this. There's more energy than I thought there was going to be. Yeah. Like, it wasn't a bad crowd. Um, they were like, I would say this, they were like a crypt on first and second down when the Falcons were on offense. But third down, they got pretty loud. It, it, like, it, But, you know, it wasn't like the most intimidating home field advantage in the world. But it was, it was solid. I mean, they were into the game. Um, they had to the keep pounding thing. I, I learned kind of the origin of that. It's when everybody stands up and they say, keep pounding on your, uh, keep pounding on your, your seats, your empty seats. Cause you're standing. So there's a lot of people pounding on their seats and it was really annoying.
1: Artificial noise.
0: Yeah. And I think there was also someone else, someone on their team was sick or something and said, keep pounding or something. That's where it came from. And then they adapted the, the thing. They also mm-hmm. have this really annoying AR Panther. I don't know if you're familiar with augmented reality, Adam.
1: Uh, fake machine noise—is uh, that what
0: you're referring to? No, it's like when you get a digital uh, 3D model or something that's animated. A, oh, like Michael Jackson. Like Michael Jackson, and he moonwalks out onto the uh, the field and does a bunch of stuff, but he's not really there. But it's a digital projection. But it's like, I don't know.
1: You could see that in daylight.
0: Yeah. So they 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 did it, and you could only see it on the screen. And it looked like this panther was ripping up, like, a Falcon's flag, and he was going, I looked really fearsome, and his eyes were gl- growing blue, and I was like, get out of here, AR Panther. No one wants to see your ass. Did that Did that get the crowd going? They are like, no, not really. It was, it was a pretty tepid response to the AR Panther. Sure, yeah, it
1: sounds sounds
0: pretty lame.
1: But, you know, it does sound like a more intimidating environment than our home state. Much
0: more, much more. I would say, like, this crowd was pretty locked into the game uh, overall. And, uh, but did meet a lot of cool Falcons fans, one of which was uh, named Josh, who is from Decatur, who lives in Virginia. He and I bought drinks for each other. He was wearing a Kyle Pitts jersey. We were talking shit to each other the whole time. Any, anytime anything went well, my mom was there and Alexa was there. And, you know, little Falcons triumphant uh, behind him. So he was you know, giving us high fives like, I'm getting you a drink, man. What, you, what, what beer are you drinking? And I was like, drinking a screwdriver. <laughs> He's like, screwdriver, I got you. I got you. I got you. <laughs> And so then I brought him, bought him a drink in the third quarter, I, uh, Crown Royal with cranberry. Wow, was Josh's drink of choice. yes nice. so, um, Did you yeah. tell
1: Josh about the podcast?
0: I I forgot. Mm. But we might see him this Christmas. He's like, I'll be in town. Here's my number. Oh, nice. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, y'all are really cool. Josh from Decatur. Josh baby. from Decatur. Um, but it was a fun game. We had really good seats, courtesy of my uncle Dave, who's a Panther season ticket holder, uh, right near the uh, into the near the end zone where Michael Walker got his pick six right in the corner there on field level. It was it was freaking awesome. Uh, great seat. So shout out to Uncle Dave. Thanks for the thanks for the tickets. It was a good time. I, I mean I think anybody who gets a chance to go to Bank of America uh stadium should should do it. It's a it's a good old fashioned uh nineties football stadium. It's weird watching football outside. I'm still not used to that. Even with the great anus, it still doesn't feel like you're outside. And so it was it was a very new concept. I think it's only my third outdoor football game in my life.
1: Yeah, I, I went there back in maybe two thousand Ten saw a Clemson game there. It was when Clemson was terrible, so it was a terrible environment.
0: Oh right, ACC championship.
1: No, it wasn't even that. It was Uh like uh, the Meineke Car Care Bowl. Oh Jesus, Taj Boyd. It was his first time uh, playing. Back when
0: you were a dedicated Clemson fan.
1: Exactly, exactly. So that's my only experience with that stadium. But uh, I'm glad you had a good time, Graham. Yeah, and it, it was a pretty good game. It was a good game. It was easily. The most dominating game we've played all year, I think you could Even say. Even though we
0: almost let them back in at you the know, end.
1: The, the Quadrioles and Fumble definitely did let them back in, made the score not as impressive. But overall, we controlled that game for the most part.
0: Well, well, I was impressed at, you know, we, had, we started out the game with a really poor drive, you know, three and out. And then the Panthers get the ball, and Cam Newton does like vintage Cam Newton things. And the thing I was really impressed with by what the Panthers were doing on two of the drives, their uh, you know their opening drive and then their opening drive of the third quarter was they really utilized the screen game well. They were picking AJ Terrell out of the play. They were doing these screen passes to DJ Moore and Robbie Anderson. They're getting up the field. They're doing a lot of option runs with Cam Newton. Um, you know, at the first drive, I was like, oh man, they've really figured out how to you know attack AJ Terrell by taking him out of. Uh, off the field play in a way because they were like picking the hell out of them on these screens um so i was a little nervous um initially but i was really happy with the way we responded once again ran the ball really effectively uh these pitches out to corderel and mike davis are phenomenal they're they're working We're, we're we're starting to see that running to the guards isn't really working running to the tackles is working and mike davis is actually starting to be productive i think he got like 95 total yards on the ground and the in the air which maybe isn't that much but you know it's better than nothing and Cordarell is still his old self I mean it was a really great day of running the ball again against a pretty decent run defense and uh, you kind of have to do that especially when the passing game isn't uh, you know continues to be a little bit of a uh, you sort of have to do that when the passing game you know is still somewhat ineffective.
1: Yeah, man, it's uh, it's been promising to see this run game. That's went out three straight games with over a hundred yards rushing. We never, we didn't even talk about the Tampa Bay game, but you know, we did rush effectively against them, right, as well. And uh, yeah, you gotta like what you're seeing. Patterson, sixteen rushes, fifty-eight yards. Mike Davis, eleven for forty-four. Quadri had a couple good bursts as well. And it, I think it really is just about the offensive line starting to gel a lot more, right. Um, Jalen Mayfield had his best game as a pro. He was our top-ranked offensive lineman, according to PFF again, and didn't allow any pressures on the quarterback. So that was good to see. Caleb McGarry had a great game um, in terms of his rush blocking anyways. Yeah. But, um, you know, it's allowing these runners to get to that second level before getting hit. So, you know, I mean, once Mike Davis can get some – momentum going with as big of a man as he is you know that's when he can do some damage but if he's getting hit immediately you know no one can do anything with that
0: yeah and i was just happy to see him involved in both both you know sides of the game um or both uh the passing and the running game just because it's like we just begging for something from mike davis and just giving just you know he he had uh 16 touches in the game and like i said almost 100 total yards of offense not anything spectacular but averaging four yards per carry on the ground i mean you can just see that this this run this running game has figured out how to effectively run the ball. and It's running to the tackles, and I'm I'm really excited to see how Arthur Smith is is noticing things and and making corrections. It took a while to figure out how to run the ball effectively, but we are starting to run the ball effectively against decent uh, run defenses, which we weren't doing at all uh, in the early parts of the season.
1: Yeah, and you you got to love the the commitment to it. I mean, it results in us having 34 minutes of possession to their 25. Uh, which helps the defense out as well, and we continue to see. I mean, that's six wins this year now, where we only had four all of last year, and we are winning these close games that in the past couple of years we would definitely have lost. And you know, it's we're beating the teams that we should beat. It's ugly football. There's no doubt about that. Matt Ryan hasn't had a really good game in five or six games now, and yeah. you know, honestly, he's a game manager right now. He is, but like we got lucky early in this game as well. There were a couple should have been picks.
0: Yeah, some of that you could put on Matt. Some of that was off receivers' hands, especially that first drive. Or not the first drive, the second drive after the three-an-hour where we scored the touchdown. There were like three balls that could have easily been intercepted. Yeah. And I chalked that up, That's like I said, some of it to Matt, some of it to the receivers. Um, you know, No one's having a dominant game receiving. You know, Our top receiver was Gage with 64 yards on four catches. Um, but – it's it's game management for matt ryan now i think part of that is once again the offensive line is still allowing some pressure part of that is matt ryan's diminishing skill set and part of that is the receiving core not being that great um so it's just sort of just like and that's why the run game has been so critical in our success recently but um matt still orchestrated some really good drives some long drives like you were saying the time of possession was great and the defense was very opportunistic forced i think three turnovers Uh, in this game, one of which was a huge pick six by Michael Walker, which was just so exciting um, to be there for. Um, It's weird, Adam. You know, we talked about the general apathy and ambivalence we have towards the Falcons, but it's like, I don't know. Um, I'm inspired by the way they play. They're they're not that great. They're one of the – you look at all the advanced statistics like DVOA, they're like dead last in the NFL behind, you know, the Texans and the Jaguars. So the advanced analytics say, you know, roster-wise – one of the worst teams in the league. And you also look at, you know, the salary cap, and it's like I think 20% of their roster or more or maybe 25% are signed to, like, the league minimum uh, for uh, for salary because their salary cap sucks so much. But they just play together. They try really hard, and they're not going to – I still don't think we're going to make the playoffs. I still don't – you know, even if we do, we're not going to do anything in there. But it's showing that Arthur Smith has the attention of this team. He's making adjustments. He's getting everything he can out of them given all the bullshit that's happened this year and the horrible financial situation that we're in. So I've, I'm inspired by this team, and I, I I admire Arthur Smith and the whole lot of them for sticking with it this year because they could have easily packed it in like they've done with Dan Quinn over the last three seasons. Well, it's all about getting
1: more out of less, Graham, which is a good position to be, be in. you got to play the cards you're dealt, and that's what Arthur Smith is doing right now. And We see the rookies, a lot of improvement from a lot. A lot of the rookies, really, and these second-year players. Like, last year's draft might have been Thomas Dimitrov's best draft. Look at some of these players this year. I mean, A.J. Terrell, bona fide pro bowler.
0: Oh, yeah, he's great. You know? Three passes defending this game and the interception on the horrible uh, – who is it? The, the the backup that came in, Walker. Um, yeah, he's – I mean, pro football focus says he's the best lockdown corner in the league. Yeah. Under a 50% completion rate against him. is best in the league. Um, he's – Yeah, he's unreal. Michael Walker, like you're saying, uh, is turning out to be a very good linebacker and should get more playing time.
1: And last last week we saw the big uh, pick six out of Marlon Davidson as well. So it's like,
0: you're right, opportunistic, where that's not something we have seen in the past. No, I can't remember the last time we got three turnovers in a game. And then Grady gets the fumble um, in the backfield on a running play. And, um, you know, Cam really just fell apart after that. That opening uh, – that not the – yeah, the opening drive in the – really in the third quarter is when he really fell apart. But it's like I just loved how, you know, people would get so excited about Cam. You heard people talk in the stadium about Cam, and it's just what like – Were they Cam, really? Cam, Cam is uh, a shell of himself. Um, yeah. Well, you know, he, the, the, he's he's not what he used to be.
1: And then they're doing the, the shuffling between Cam Newton and P.J. Walker. Like, they – Put PJ Walker in and realize, oh, he sucks too. He was good in the XFL, but he sucks in the NFL. Then right. they put Cam Newton back in. It's like, oh, this is the same guy who we just pulled out who sucks as well. Let's put that other guy back in.
0: And like, well, you got to really question Matt Rule as a coach, right? Oh, I mean, yeah. When, He's when on the hot that? seat, though. Yeah. I mean, like, you know, he fires Joe Brady. And my uncle was bitching about this when we went to dinner on Saturday night. He was saying, you know, we're going to find out tomorrow that Joe Brady is not the reason why we suck.
1: Oh, like, Joe Brady is a
0: huge name. That's who I wanted to do as our coach. Right. Um, yeah, you know, but he, he was telling me, you know, earlier in the year, um, in October, when I saw him last, he was saying, you know, I'm not impressed with Joe Brady. I know everybody was really hyped up about him, but I haven't seen anything from him or Rule that makes me think this is, you know, this is where the franchise needs to invest in, in terms of our my offensive coordinator, my head coach. These are the guys that are going to lead us into the future. He he's, thinks they're very – you know, obviously Brady's gone, but he was saying, you know, they're both on shaky ground to him. I haven't showed him anything bad. that that He doesn't think Rule is a really good coach. and I think Rule – kind of uh, gave more credence to that. This game, pulling quarterbacks, put them back in, um, you know, and it just seems like they've really thrown Cam into the fire a little bit in terms of, you know, he hasn't had that much time with the the playbook and they're trying to, I don't know, they got away from what was working. They stopped throwing screens. Um, you well, know, I don't know why they, they stopped doing that because they were killing us with that in the first quarter and the third quarter, in well, the opening part of the third quarter. But those least. are
1: all, like, scripted drives, you know, like the first drive of a half is all scripted. I mean, that's... Which I don't know why you can't script more drives, well, exactly, you know? right? Yeah, but uh, for that's that's just something NFL people have always always said, right? Script but they, your
0: drives, yeah. But they looked really di- like it was so weird watching how you know discombobulated they were, um, and the other drives other than that that first one and that opening one in the third quarter, they just looked like a team that was lost. And the run defense for the Falcons played really well too. This I mean this is a game to me that was run by the defense in the run game, but particularly the defense, unfortunately, all the turnovers. But, you know, the, um, we we held you know. Chuba to only 33 yards, and uh, Abdullah to only 16. Cam got 47, but he did most of his damage in the first half. So, I mean, really on that first drive, rushing the football. So it's like, you know, uh, just really, really impressed by the gutsiness of this team. It's not like, you know, you need to jump out, you know, get on the roof and wave a banner being like, Falcons are awesome again, or anything for beating the 5-7 Panthers. But, you know, got to like what you're seeing from this team, and they tried their asses off.
1: Yeah, I feel like it's been kind of up and down one week i feel pretty good about arthur smith the next week i don't but um you know the, just these three games in a row seeing the commitment to the run game making adjustments to some mistakes from earlier in the year and like you're saying an opportunistic defense you know it's it's exciting yeah it's mid-december um
0: we're still playing relevant football
1: we're very relevant like this is a big game against the 49ers biggest game
0: we've had in three years probably and the good news is we're going on the road where the Falcons are what, like five and two or something yeah I mean uh, it's
1: still hilarious our only hope win was in London
0: yeah which I don't even count that I mean I count that more I think you know and to me we're six and two on the road like this is these are road warriors um the 49ers you know are uh a little banged up I, I think they they won their game last week but lost the previous week to uh Seattle the big thing we're gonna have to watch out for them is damn George Kittle is on fire. I think he's got five touchdowns in the last five weeks. The dude is a hoss. Garoppolo is playing pretty well. Debo Samuel has kind of taken over the backfield. He's like a, he's he's like kind of their their CDP in a way. He's rushing the football. He's also their number one receiver. Um, you know, so they're definitely a dangerous team. Their defense is always solid, um, but I expect the Falcons to put up a fight. Um, it will be a lot harder than playing against Carolina, but we'll see what happens come Sunday.
1: Yeah, I mean, th- this is one of those teams where. You know, we were definitely better than the Panthers. Panthers are or they're on our level, something like that. And the 49ers are definitely a step above. Right. But, but they're not the Bucks. No. And we've played the Bucks, played the Bucks competitively yeah, a couple times this year. Um, so I I I think we have a chance for sure. Um, you know, <laughs> it'd be nice to get a number one wide receiver coming back for one of these big stretch games. Sure. But that, that ain't gonna happen, Graham. No. So I don't know why I even brought that up. But uh, you know, as long as C P is healthy. He's really the key. If he's if he's out for any reason, we're, we're, our goose is cooked. We stay committed to that run game, and Matt Ryan starts hitting a couple of those deep throws. That that missed throw he had to Tajay Sharp, yeah, that was brutal, man. Yeah, but that, he had a
0: good throw to uh, who was it on the play action on the on that uh, first touchdown drive? I think it was it was Gage. That was a nice pass, um, but yeah, we're not seeing enough consistency from from that for the the deep ball.
1: You hate to see the under throw like that too. Like it just makes him look old
0: well yeah and it's hard to make excuses for it you know it's one of those things where it's like there's so many factors to it but at the end of the day he didn't make the throw yeah. you can say he might have happy feet from a history of getting his ass creamed including this year um you can say maybe the offensive line is lining too much pressure but on that particular play they weren't it was it was a clear play he, um you know he, he was perfectly protected he didn't make the throw I and mean, it's as simple as that I think he'd say the same thing
1: yeah, which is why it's like it's so unfortunate that we're going to be paying him forty million dollars next year. Well, I don't think to we to be are. a game manager. I don't
0: think we are. Well, I don't think I think if you give Matt Ryan another good like number one receiver, he'd be less of a game manager um, and a better offensive line. I, I would I would I would attest to that. Um, that's just my opinion. But you also have to look at the peep the things around the the people around him aren't aren't, aren't really that great. But I think we're going to try to trade him next year after the June 14th deadline or whatever, when in the cap, it's only like 22 million or something. There's no way in hell you can't keep restructuring this contract. It's got to end.
1: Can you imagine how bad it would have been to have any of these rookie quarterbacks playing behind our offensive oh, yeah, line? Like,
0: like exactly. Like who like, would you rather? I mean, as much as we love Matt Ryan I know a lot of people don't, but as much as we love Matt Ryan, um, you know, it's, it's horrible to watch him take this punishment. Right. But he's at the end of his career. We're never going to win a Super Bowl with him at this point. Probably. So it's like, all right, so be it. Imagine you know, yeah, getting to Trey Lance, getting to Zach Wilson, getting one of these young quarterbacks to come in here and them just getting creamed. Like Matt Ryan's taking more hits than anyone in the league this year at quarterback. You imagine how much of a psychological and physical blow that must be to like imagine what Zach Wilson's going through right now. In, do you think we would? He'd be doing the same shit if he was here in Atlanta. In theory, I, I suppose. He would still be behind
1: Matt Ryan and learning, but if you put any of those rookie quarterbacks, doesn't matter, in place of Matt Ryan this year, this is a two-win team. Maybe you know.
0: Oh yeah, no, Matt Ryan still is playing well enough to make you competitive. Maybe not against the best teams, but against you know teams like the Panthers, which is really all you can ask for. And I don't think anybody else. I think you could put Tom Brady back there right now. He'd, he'd be getting his ass kicked. He's less mo he's less mobile than Matt. Any you put anyone that point is you put anyone back there, they're going to get their butts kicked this year. Right, right. Why Why do that to a rookie? Now the question is, if you move on from that Ryan next year, and you do have a rookie in there, which you most likely will, unless you do like a sort of a stopgap journeyman guy. Yeah. Then you have got to keep uh, figuring out how to make this offensive line better. I don't know. It opens up a whole can of worms. I mean, you just got to hope that they're
1: they are growing this year and learning and would be better in the second year together. Uh, yeah. Bring in a veteran. And uh, you know, throw Gardner Minshew back there as the quarterback,
0: Graham. Gardner Minshew—he's doing well for Philly right now. Only had
1: one one good game,
0: but right, yeah, one good game.
1: That type of guy we could bring in if yeah. we do trade a Matt Ryan. Right. But, um, it's all speculation, Graham. But we're in 2021 still, and uh, we got a big game, 49ers.
0: Yeah, I want it. I, I really would like to beat Kyle Shanahan, that prick, who our only chance of happiness for the Falcons.
1: Yeah. No. No. We. You, <laughs> This five years ago at this point, but man, uh, we're not a Super Bowl contender anymore, Graham. I'll tell you that much. No.
0: <laughs> like when he left, the magic left.
1: What do you think about how Dan Quinn's been getting
0: received in Dallas? Like, oh, he's very popular. Yeah, you saw he coached for McCarthy against uh, New Orleans a couple weeks ago, and you saw him blowing it up and and talking smack, and it looked like Dan Quinn from 2016. I was like, this this bastard.
1: But it's like, is he just? Do you think? I'd imagine he'll get another chance at a head coach gig right now, but is is he one of those guys who needs to just be a coordinator, is a great coordinator, or like is Dimitrov more to, bl- more to blame and it was the roster, or I think it's what's a com- the deal?
0: I think it's a combination, but I also think that until this year, Dan Quinn did not show any signs of him being able to adjust. He finally adjusted this year, as we heard from our good friend, Knowledge, a few weeks ago, Edward Varney. Uh, in that super long podcast about he's, he's working man defense in there. He's not just doing the cover three. Um, you know, so it's weird because I think because he's starting to make adjustments, maybe he can also make adjustments as a head coach. I don't know. I would put the blame on everybody, though, um, not just Dan Quinn. But yeah, the you know, Thomas made some bad decisions with the roster, sure. But Dan Quinn also did not, you know, look at what Arthur Smith's doing. Arthur Smith's working with a less talented team than Dan Quinn ever had. And he's getting better results. Yeah. So to me, I think Quinn bears the biggest brunt of the blame for what happened with the Falcons. You also look at what he did with the coordinators after Shanahan left. Where he didn't hire Lafleur. Lafleur goes to Green Bay, and now is you know is proven to be a great coach. He hires Sark, who had no knowledge of how the system worked really, and he let a guy who did, who was one of the architects of that offense, go to Los Angeles and then go to Green Bay. Sarkeesian. It's crazy, man. Yeah. So it's just like yeah, Dan Quinn. If I had to put, you know, my power rankings of of people who screwed the Falcons most, I would say Dan Quinn, Thomas Dimitrov, and I guess Arthur Blank. But Dan Quinn bears that brunt. Got to feel good
1: about the direction we're in now, though.
0: I feel good about what Arthur Smith is showing me. I still think we have a long way to go before we're competitive, like really competitive, where we can say we're a Super Bowl contender. We got three plus years, I think.
1: I tell you what, though, I wish we had given CP a two-year contract from the get-go. He's
0: gonna, he, well, the th- he's good, gonna command some money, but he, he likes Atlanta. He he, lo- he says he wants to stay here forever. He really.
1: Yeah, well, so does Freddie Freeman. Who knows? What well, that means. yeah,
0: right. But um, you know, hopefully, he's willing to take just. a – another kind of deal like this or a little more money. Maybe we can give him a little more money. And I heard the cap's going to expand a little bit. So that'll help the Falcons. He is like what? 31, 32. Yeah, no, one's going to give him a, a shit he's ton our of money. Age. I don't think. Right. Yeah. We're not. Ma- imagine giving us that much money <laughs> to, to play in the NFL. Um, yeah. I hope he comes back. I really do. I mean, he's, he's a spark plug.
1: Yeah, man. Kind of sad that our, our prime running back here is behind us, huh?
0: Our, our prime.
1: You heard me. Our prime running back years. Oh, our
0: prime running back years. Yeah, I was like, I was trying to put that together in my head. <laughs> yeah, our prime running back years really are. Yeah. When was the last, like, Devontae and Tevin Coleman back in 2016? Oh, no, I'm talking about me and you. Oh, us. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. yeah. No, our. Pff, I probably left when we were like 15. Like, we,
1: we could still make it as an O lineman, maybe. Yeah. Got to bulk up a little bit. Well, like that
0: picture I sent where I was wearing like three jackets under my phone. Oh, that's jersey. what you were wearing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I was wearing a bunch of jackets. That's I why I looked like I'd gained about. 77 pounds you looked intimidating man yeah it was a little, it was a little chilly out there yeah. sitting in the shade um, um but good stuff uh I would it's, say a it's a fun team it's a fun team you know it's a
1: boring team but, but it's a
0: fun team yeah you just they're, they're, you, the effort you like the effort if yeah. it wasn't for the effort they'd be just interminably awful to watch but the, the effort's there they're trying their best yeah and that's all we can ask. Just like us. We, do our, we try our best on the podcast. Falcons try their best on the field. It's not the prettiest thing. It might not be the best thing, but it's all we can do. It's the best we can do. Exactly. Yeah. Let's move on to the Atlanta Hawks, Adam. But before we do, let's have a nice message from our friends from DraftKings. We have a great offer for you if you're interested in potentially signing up with them.
1: Football fans, this message is for you. I'm sure that we all love an action-packed, high-scoring NFL game. But with the latest no-brainer from DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL, you'll be a winner once a single point is scored. New customers who bet just $1 on any team to score can win $100 in free bets. It really is that simple. Now, if Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, don't fret. You can still get in on the NFL action. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long, with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contests. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at winning millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. So here's what you need to do. Just download the DraftKings Sportsbook app right now, use the promo code TPPN, bet $1 on any team to score, and you will win $100 in free bets. If they score, you score. With promo code TPPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older. New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wage are required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER.
0: Adam, let's talk about these hawks. So, dark time for the rebellion. Hawks enter today's recording at least 13 and 14, having blown two straight games in the fourth quarter. One to the Nets on uh, Friday night, which I guess is a little understandable. But then they also just blew uh, the other night a game to the Rockets where they were up like 14 or 15 at the end of the third and blew the game. And the, the reason this is bad is that the Rockets are a rebuilding team, under 500, not very good. And it's like the Hawks become a different team in the third quarter. They're just awful. Um, I, I don't know what's going on. So on Friday against the Nets, they were six of twenty-two from the field and one of eight from three. And then uh, you know against the Rockets, it was kind of more of the same stuff. Um, except they were just really bad on defense in particular. They allowed the Rockets to score forty-four points, let them shoot sixteen of twenty-five. Um, this is a rebuilding team. I know we're missing Hunter, and Bogey, and your boy Okongwu is working his way back and hopefully back into the NBA soon. Solomon Hill out for the season. Solomon Hill is out for the season. That's not really a huge blow. But, but yeah, he's blow- a defensive guy, a
1: veteran. Coming. Right.
0: But even still, it's just like to, I don't care, though. To allow 44 points to the Rockets in the fourth quarter is inexcusable.
1: Yeah, no, this is, this is the worst loss of the Nate McMillan era. Like the Rockets are a team that they lost like eight in a row earlier this year. Right, they're a really bad team. Yeah, and Travis Slank I know was on ninety two nine the game either today or yesterday. He's an upset man. Like, and <clears throat> as he put it, his even his eight year old son could just see that there's no defensive effort coming out of these Hawks right now, and they don't look like they don't look like a playoff team, and we're supposed to have championship aspirations right now, and no. like. Like, you can make excuses with the injuries to an extent, but against a team like the Rockets, like, that's unacceptable.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, and the thing that's frustrating is that, you know, the Hawks are, like, a top-five team in overall offense in the NBA. But they're like, a, they're, like, 25th worst or something on defense. But when it comes to the fourth quarter, they're just – you know, you, you want to make the defense better, of course – But you you, you see that the offense is is quite effective. But in the fourth quarter, it's like all that goes out the window. They suck on offense. They suck on defense. The biggest thing I see, you're talking about energy and effort. It's 100% correct. But there's also, you know, on on defense, but also on offense, there's just stagnation, total stagnation on the offense. Everybody's just standing around. Trey's having to isolate. No one's moving. No one's doing anything to get open. We're not running the pick and roll as effectively. ISO Joe offense? Right. We're turning the ball over quite frequently, you know, and we're allowing – Multiple. There was a. I think it was six minutes or so left in the in the game against the Rockets. We allowed three opportunities at the Bass, three offensive rebounds, and they and they scored. And it's just like we're not crashing the boards. It's just everyone just becomes super lethargic on defense and becomes incredibly stagnant on offense. It's it's just very uninspiring basketball. I gotta wonder what's going on with this team's chemistry. I think I don't know where to begin, but the biggest thing I think is that they came in, you know, thinking they were cock of the walk. You know, because we were two games away from going to the NBA Finals. And now they're finding out they cock of nothing. Like, this is this is bad.
1: Yeah, no, I, I, I keep thinking, you know, just like for me as a fan as well, it's not easy to watch the Hawks make that super deep playoff run and the excitement that that was. And then the Braves and their playoff one and championship and like, you know, and then come back and watch regular season basketball. I've been personally struggling with that, Graham. The excitement energy level is not there for me. And for that, I apologize to you and all the users. But I'd imagine the players feel the exact same way as well. You know, it's got to be tough to feel the energy in New York, Madison Square Garden, Trey getting booed upon by a sold out crowd and then come out and play the Rockets on Monday, November 13th, you know, and like get amped up. Right and like that—that that was a home loss. That's just an awful yeah, loss, and it, it sucks because you know we started the year losing on the road a lot, and but we were great on the road at home. I think we started like eight and one or something like that, and now I think we've lost five in a row at home, something like that. It's bad. Um, I watched a good bit of that Nets game Friday, and yeah, I mean it kind of feels like a Lloyd Pierce team right now, where we look good like you said for three quarters, and then we just don't close and. You know, before you know it, you're out of the game. Right at the end, so right. it's uh, it's disappointing. They need a, a coming to come to Jesus moment or something. Yeah. Uh, I feel like McMillan needs to just really lay into them. I feel like he was good at that last year. Just doors closing the locker room, giving them business. Let's, well, he, let's he, get this yeah. defensive energy up.
0: Yeah, you got to do something to figure that out. And the Hawks, you know, seem to be saying all the right things in the press conference. You know, unacceptable effort. We got to pick up the effort. We got to do like we. It seems like they know what they got to do. They just don't do it. And it's like, how do you get them to do it? I don't know. Um, but yeah, I mean I think they're I think also though, I think in the long run this is gonna be a good reality check for this team because um, you know, they're finding out that they're not good enough to be assholes. They're not good enough to be, you know, like how LeBron and those, you know, Miami Heat teams that sort of coast through the regular season and flip a switch in the in the playoffs. This this team's not that not good enough to do that. And hopefully they're finding that out, and hopefully they realize that they have to go out and still prove that they're worth a shit every night or they're going to wind up outside, you know, not making the damn playoffs if they keep playing like this. Obviously, it's December, and they can turn around. We saw what they did last year. We know they're capable of doing it. That We know how resilient this team can be. They're just not showing it at all right now.
1: I mean, the reality of the situation, too, is like, look, right now, we are 10th in the conference, which is there expanded playoffs yeah. Okay. So that's technically in the there's playoffs, like a, there's but like a playing play. game right now. But you don't want to be that, in that that's shit. Bullshit. No. Uh, so you want to. Looks like you want to be in those top six seeds, which you know it's it's really jumbled up still. But like you don't you don't want to fall too far behind that. It's insurmountable. No. You know? So they they, they got to get it going, Graham. Uh, it is surprising. Like after the first couple games this year, I was like man, this team's just going to take off. Number one seed.
0: let's go yeah but um i still have pretty high expectations for this team i still think they can go together but nate mcmillan um he's gone from you know the darling of the nba in terms of coaches to you know to some people i think starting to question um what he's doing and i think also it speaks to the, the the core group you know maybe a little more than than nate having the same problems they had last year that they're having this year now not finishing the fourth quarter, choking games away. It's the same damn thing. It's very odd. They're building chemistry.
1: I'm I'm still not like concerned overall. Uh, I know there's been a lot of squawking from the Twitter universe about the fact that our two, essentially two first-round picks, Sharif Cooper and Jalen Johnson, are still not playing despite all these injuries. Um, and I, I can understand the frustration there. I'm a big rookies guy, Graham. I want to see some young guys play, and they they have been developing, College Park, and I get it. You'd think the basketball people know if they're ready or not, but you would think now would be the time, especially oh, yeah. with that a second message. unit, like because Sharif Cooper is such a good playmaker, like similar level in terms of his passing to Trey, that like
0: you would think that the second unit could use someone like that. Absolutely, you know? I think it's a great point. Shari- like the thing with Delon Wright and Lou Williams. Neither one of them are real playmakers, and when Trey's not on the court, the playmaking kind of stops. Lou is a much better suited, I think, for you know playing the two as opposed to the one. Sharif Cooper, even if he is obviously extremely inexperienced, being a rookie, hasn't played a minute of NBA basketball. I think he could come in there and maybe start. Some, like just see, let's see what we let's see what we're, we're working with here. Why not? Why not? Um, you know, because at this point, what we're getting from the second unit is starting to cost. It's not the only reason we're losing games, but it certainly contributes to it. Yeah, so I think, you know, Cooper. And then on the other side, you got, you know, TLC who's been playing and trying to do his best, I guess. But, um, you know, he's not really giving you too much, um, particularly, I don't think, on defense. So, like, let's see what Jalen Johnson's got. I think now is the time. To, I think it also could send just like a wake up wake-up call to these guys where it's just like, look, you're not getting the job done. We're going to bring these guys in who shouldn't even be playing this year because they need to develop, and you know, hopefully they'll show you how to how it's done, or at least give you a boost of energy or something.
1: Or it, they'll look terrible, and you'll understand why they haven't been playing.
0: Or that, but I mean, I don't think you got much to lose right now because you're still without Bogey, you're still without Hunter, um, and Akangu's still not in. And that's another person I'm really looking forward to seeing because I know I was talking that Clint, like a few weeks ago, Clint Capella looks like a person again, starting to move better, but he still doesn't look very good on defense, and that's also a huge reason why we're not playing well. Yeah, I think
1: Okongwu will be a big difference maker, and I know I know he played some with the Skyhawks last week, uh, so he he should be back. I'm guessing he's definitely back by Christmas Day. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna be all in on that noon
0: Christmas oh, Day game, are.
1: Graham. Yeah, against the Knicks. Is it at? Is it in New York? Yeah. Oh, let's go. Yeah.
0: If you can't, get, if the Hawks don't get fired up for that one, like let's say the Hawks get blown out, then that's not gonna happen. I'm gonna be. I'm gonna start getting concerned. Like, I haven't been too concerned yet, but I will literally drop the, the C word on on that uh, next podcast. You know, most people
1: say NBA season starts on Christmas. I think I'm of that camp this year. Yeah, I mean, I don't think there's this any reason team's to team's just fried in their legs. It's the just fine. It's still disconcerting the fourth season. quarter effort.
0: It's still very disconcerting.
1: Yeah, I mean, you got to think that, like, I understand. Well, obviously, I understand because it's my point about <laughs> about like it being be a difficult to get up for these games but at the end of the day that's your job too like hell yeah all year you were training to get ready for these games
0: yeah and i think that's that sh- shows some immaturity on their part to think that they have earned the right to sort of sleepwalk through the regular season and some of them mentioned that coming into this season about how oh you know it's gonna be hard to get up for these regular season games after what we just experienced but it's like you better or you're not going to get back to where you want to go to. I mean, it's very, very simple at the end of the day. Mm. I agree, Graham. Yeah, when you really get rid of all this psychological bullshit around it and the attitude, it's really like it's very cut and dry. Key to life. Yeah. You got to try, man. Yeah, and you're not good, and they're not good enough to be assholes. You can't it's sleepwalk as your way. Yeah. Through everything. Um. Particularly when it's happening like this. I'd be one thing if it was like. You know, we're, so what we've played, 27 games. Let's say we were, you know, uh, like seven, eight games over 500, and we weren't blowing fourth quarter leads, but we were still playing bad defense. It's like, okay, fine. But we were definitely, I think, a much worse spot than we thought we'd be.
1: Yeah, so they're playing the Magic as we speak tonight, Wednesday the 15th. So
0: hopefully they win that game. You lose to the Magic and won like five games all that's, season. That'd be bad news. That'd be bad Even news. Even if it's on the road, that's uh, that would be UGLY. Big time ugly.
1: Yep. You said it, Graham. You said it.
0: And I think that wraps up our Hawks segment. There's no news on baseball. It's officially a lockout. Um, there, so that means there's no contract talks with Freddie Freeman, Jorge Soler, Jock Peterson, et cetera, Rosario. Um, so you just got to keep basking in the glory that was the World Series and you know what the good news is if baseball, if baseball never comes back, Freddie Freeman hit the last home run and the Braves won the last World Series. Can't go out much better than that. I'm, I'm good, Graham. <laughs> I've, I've always said I just need one, and you I'm just good. just one. Yeah, I was surprised you didn't resign from the podcast the, like the, the night of.
1: You know, Graham, I still have other aspirations. I want a championship from every team. Every team. Very good. And multiple.
0: Ooh. Multiple from every team? I
1: want back-to-back. From all the teams,
0: you want it to be like Boston, where they just win championships in all the sports like all the time. Yeah, yeah.
1: Our the 2020s is Atlanta's decade.
0: So far, so good. Yeah, good start. Yeah, uh, I think that wraps us up, folks. We hope you're doing well out there. We will probably see you next week.
1: Oh, we'll be back, Graham. We'll yeah. be back. Yeah, I think we'll. we'll we got be... big things to talk yeah. about next week.
0: Indeed, we do, my friend. Indeed, we do. Until then, rise up. Chop on, unite and conquer, and remain true to Atlanta. Hospital Thompson.
1: Hospital Thompson.